Hey everyone, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, for episode 156 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a significant 156. So Michael, I'm going to start with a little math. Were you good in math when you were a kid? <laughs> um, I'm going to say I was okay. All right. So how many weeks in a year? 52. Times three is? 156. So that means today's episode is our three-year anniversary. Can you believe that? Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, wow. And boy, you think about... Now, here's a little math for you. So you figure 156, that's 156 30-minute podcasts. So what's 156 divided by three? Oh, divided? Uh, yeah, by 30 minutes. No, divided by 30 minutes, wouldn't it be? Okay, then that's uh, or, or 52 even. Or yeah, or or even yeah. So is that fifty-two minutes, or would it be half? Be half. See, <laughs> See I got a, very, I got three, a big D in math. So three into one fifty-six isn't three into one fifty-six five two, three. Yes, but but if these are one hundred fifty-six, <laughs> people are say, scratching their heads. or saying, <laughs> what, what are, the heck are you guys I, doing? I wonder if we should multiply three times no, one fifty-six. Well, so actually though, no, we would take <laughs> we would take half of one fifty-six. Okay. Because if we did 156, that would be 156 hours. But if it's 30 minutes, that's then it's half of that. 78. 78 hours. of uh, So that's why this isn't called the wonder of math. <laughs> it's the wonder yeah, of parenting. It took us a while to get there, but yeah, hey, yeah. we got there. Yeah, we got there. That's right. Okay, so we've got an interesting question here. I uh, uh, A few days ago, uh, before we recorded this, I went onto our uh, Facebook page. And I said, we're coming up on our third year anniversary. What's your question? And then uh, sort of based on just my gut instinct and responses, I picked the one that was going to be featured today, uh, which is, where did that mouth come from? And uh, it's a question of, uh, that we're going to see in a moment about a mom who's concerned about some of the uh, language, the uh, colorful language her kindergarten son is using. And uh, I thought this would be an intriguing question because I know a lot of parents wrestle with that. You and I are guys who use words. Uh, and uh, so I thought, uh, let's let's talk about kids and swearing, and, and uh, especially in this age where we don't have a lot of filters anymore when it comes to language. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, we want to thank our sponsors, and uh, they have been with us. Uh, the, the Jantz uh, folks have been with us almost since the beginning, Dr. Greg Jantz and the, the great folks up there in the Seattle area, the Center of Place of Hope. And they do great work for people who are in crisis and whose lives really need some extra help in terms of dealing with emotional or mental or uh, even physical challenges. So if you're interested, go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com, and uh, you'll find a link to the Center of Place of Hope and then a center or a, a link also to the Forge School. Michael, what's going on there? Yep. The Forge School in rural Tennessee, a residential treatment for Boys, teen boys, 14 to 17. Uh, really great staff, great location, just really gorgeous. And, um, uh, you know, wilderness, adventure therapy uh, uh, for kids who are having, boys who are having issues elsewhere. And it's now moved to a six-week to two-month model, so what they call short-term. So if you have a, a boy or you know a boy of that 14 to 16, uh, 14 to 17 age group, and they need help, um, check out the Forge School. It might be the, the right place for them. All right, so here's the question. comes off of our Facebook group. If you are not on our Facebook group, we'd love to have you there. It's a closed group. You just do a search, Wonder of Parenting, and, uh, on Facebook, and then I'll let you in if you hit the, the Join button. 
And it's only parents who listen to Wonder Parenting. And so it's a great resource, all these different parents who can help you with your questions. And uh, once in a while, I see some questions on there that I grab. You can also send a question to wonderparenting.com. So the question for today, I'd love an episode on swearing and aggressive language. My kindergartner has been coming home from school and after school care saying really horrible swear words that we never say at home. He also routinely gravitates to older kids from whom he hears this language. We can't shelter him completely, but don't know what is driving this or how to stop it. Now, uh, at the risk of sounding like uh, I was really raised in a sheltered home, which I wasn't, uh, swearing was not a part of our value system when I was growing up. And uh, even to say things like gosh or golly, <laughs> were, yeah. were, uh, you know, you can't say that because it's a derivative of God, right? Or heck or darn it. Um, so, you know, my po- folks are pretty, you know, good at, at uh, trying to instill in us other ways to verbalize our frustrations. And I remember clearly I was in junior high. Uh, my friend and I were walking down a busy street. He had a squirt gun. He was squirting cars and he got a couple drops on this really nice looking sports car. And a young guy jumps out probably in his twenties or thirties. He seemed ancient to us, but in his twenties or thirties. And he started dropping all kinds of swear words I'd never heard an adult say before. And I was just horrified. I said, adults talk like that? And, uh, of course, now, being a pastor for 30-some years, every time somebody swears in front of me, they always say, pardon me, reverend, or father, I'm sorry, even though I'm not Catholic. Like, I've never heard that stuff before. <laughs> or, or maybe even use those words occasionally. So swearing is a part of our culture, uh, for good or ill. Uh, but this mom is concerned that her kindergartners learned some words that maybe he they don't want him saying. So let's start kind of with that question, and then we'll talk more about swearing and its role in society and growing up and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, sticking with this age group. Yeah, I mean, I, she's right. She's very wise to know he's picking it up from these other older folk. Um, and the crazy thing is that if they're older, they're probably six or seven, right? <laughs> yeah, I right, mean, they're, right. they're probably not— 15. So uh, I don't know that, but, but he's probably hanging out with siblings a little bit older. Um, uh, and, and the bottom line is, yeah, I think they can tell him there, there are certain words that are okay and certain words that are not. And I think what's healthy about it is that it teaches good boundaries, uh, right? It's drawing lines and teaching him, for, you know, compelling him to stick to certain lines of what fits the parent's value system. And uh, then he has to learn boundaries. He has to he learn some resilience, you know, as he as he crosses over the line, and then he's in timeout. And and you know, overall, the setting the line is a good idea, especially for a four year old. Um, the words themselves, you know, saying that word isn't going to harm him, but but it's going to cause issues for him in society if he's four years old saying the f word or the sh word or you know this is going to cause issues it's it isn't even though rap music and all sorts of music and tv and youtube and everywhere swearing is everywhere that's absolutely true and they the parents probably swear a little bit you know I, I know that my wife and i did some when our kids were growing up but it's still great to help kids hold to lines so I think that swearing is a good one to use for that, uh, and um, and it's just like we don't let our kids interrupt, right? Because that I'm having a conversation with Gail, my kids are daddy, daddy, daddy. I say nope, wait, I'll get to you in a minute. You're not dying, so I'll get to you in a minute, right? And I finish my conversation with Gail, and then I get to my kids. 
I'm not, I'm, what I'm doing is helping them to develop boundaries and to stop the instant gratification, right? To have to have some patience. And those are all good things to teach kids. So I think swearing can fit in that. I would imagine uh, with a kindergartner, he probably has no concept uh, of what these words mean. He may have a sense, uh, a visceral sense that when he says this word, it, it, creates a certain emotion in him. Oftentimes when we swear, uh, it's because we're angry or we're hurt or we're frustrated, and, and maybe that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. But he probably has no concept uh, of some of these words. How do you talk to your kids, uh, especially at that age? We'll get to teenagers here in a little bit. But how do you talk to little kids like that and say, uh, that's not a word we want you to use? And when they ask the question, why, what do you say? Oh, it's just a bad word. You know, uh, he's five. I mean, you can't can't explain too much to him. Yeah, we should explain what everyone knows. Their five year old better than I do, and if they can explain to him, great. But uh, not a lot of explanation is needed at five. It's just these are our values. That's a bad word. We don't mm-hmm. say that word. That's a yucky word. We don't say that word. Uh, I know so and so said it because you can always ask him. So we're, no one's going to get in trouble. But where'd you hear that word? Okay, I heard that word from Joe. Okay, so Joe said it. And let's say Joe's outside of our family. Joe said it. We can't control Joe. But in our family, you know, that's a bad word and we don't say it. Now, when he's when he's older, like 9, 10, or 11, then yeah, probably 8, then we can explain what the F word means to him, you know, right. or one of his peers will already. Um, but at 5, we don't owe him a heck of a lot of explanation. Um, it's, it's not going to hurt him to not say these words, and it's only going to help him to learn, you know, boundaries. So... I wouldn't overblow the explanations at five. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Uh, this is sort of uh, attached to this. It's sort of a cousin of the same issue. Uh, one of the things that I hear from educators occasionally is uh, how shocked they are with the kind of sexual language that younger and younger kids are using and, of course, have no idea what they're talking about. Right. But just freely throw out um, sexual innuendo or sexual language um, I'm assuming it's a similar kind of thing for kids. Yeah, they're modeling it, of course. They're modeling it off of o- older kids, but also media. You know, they're getting it from watching what parents are watching or or, um, or what the older siblings are watching, right, on TV, on YouTube, et cetera. And so they're kids model. So they just model and then they repeat and mirror. Kids are what we call mimetic. They mirror, they imitate. And so they're imitating, and as they imitate, they they get like they could get like a rush of identity development or of self esteem or you know because they have seen that this other person in this movie or this older sibling uh, kind of like you're saying you know said it in in a certain setting like maybe was angry or was showing dominance or whatever it was and then the child models that and tries to sh- use the swear word to show dominance or to process anger and and all of that they're modeling and watching and using imitation of mimesis and inculcating it into themselves and we our our job right is to draw these lines and so if if we if we draw the line they're going to still be able to be angry they're still going to be able to model other parts of identity or self-esteem 
but we're going to say you don't model this one. This this is yucky. We don't model this one. Right. And that that's really the key to it is to be very concrete and specific with each of those words. So I, I want to kind of come at this thing from from two different angles. Um, and uh, I, whenever we do these podcasts, Michael has no idea what I'm going to ask him except for the <laughs> initial question. And then after that, uh, I'm just asking questions that come to my mind. So um, if you if you don't have a lot of research on this, we'll understand. But I have read recently that swearing is actually good for us or at least helpful for us in expressing stuff, getting stuff out. Um, from from your perspective as a therapist, uh, the brain science research, uh, what have you learned about, let's say, the benefits of swearing, if, oh, yeah. if I could use that word? Oh, oh, yeah, there's good research on it. And, you know, when we're talking about adults um, and even, you know, teenagers, I guess we could extend it to them. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely true that, that um, in moderation— Right, I mean, because there's still society to deal with. There's still, there's still. Where is my place in the society? If if all I ever do is say the f word, my place in the society is going to be pretty low. You know, I mean, so some of some of it, the language that comes out of our mouths is also places us in a hierarchy, and we want to climb hierarchies, and so we're going to use certain language, and and all of that is at stake, and that's that's why we actually, you know. Most people don't spend their whole whole day swearing, right? But they'd like to, but they don't because they're moving through hierarchies and they want to be respected and and even loved and so on. But but the actual use of the word, you know, the use of the f word when I'm very angry or when I've just been hurt or or cut or uh, right, and I'm recoiling and I use the f word. So yes, it it uh, expels it. Right, I mean, I've got these feelings, and and I I can expel them with that with that f word, um, uh, and also I can show dominance with that f word. I can call attention to myself because other, it'll be it'll shock some people, so they'll stop what they're doing and look at me, and you know, and then I get some self esteem boost. So there are a lot of ways in which swearing is actually functional, uh, but uh, so it's not a but, and and. Yes, it's functional in certain situations, and we do it. And if we do it too much, I think we lower ourselves in the hierarchy. Is it the actual word itself, or is it the expression of? You know, so my I have an uncle who, when when he would you know do something that you know normally a, a normal person would swear, he would just yell out socks and underwear. That was his deal instead of <laughs> you know a damn it or the f word or whatever it might be. Is it the word itself? Uh, does the F word, for example, uh, have a certain power about it in our culture, in our world, that that word uh, is important, or is it the expression of the frustration that's most important through some sort of word? Well, I think it's both, depending on the circumstance. The, the frustration does come through. The brain can expel you know, some of the frustration just by uttering the word um, because it's, it's very powerful. Uh, at the same time, at the same time, the word itself, by by controlling that word, so now I'm into theory, because I don't think this is studyable, but to me, my theory would be that when you use the F word, especially if you don't use it every moment, but you use it at, at certain, you know, certain moments, uh, you're dealing with sexuality, and anyone who can control sex or control sexuality, even at an unconscious or subconscious level, I think that 
person calls attention to himself or herself in a way that shows power. And I think that's why the F word has so much power. And I think that's why the MF word, <laughs> you know, that's used a lot, that that starts, M starts with mother, um, I, you know, I, I think that that word is showing incredible power. And of course, you know, pretty reprehensible, but right. but it shows power. Someone's and people fight over it, right? Someone uses says MF married to someone else, and then you know they fight. So there's a lot of power around the sexuality of it, and then in that case, the attachment, the mother, um, the kind of primal relationship, and a lot of this primal stuff gets caught up in swear words. I think even SH word, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty primal when we're talking about that bodily function. Yeah. Um, so these are, and then and then God, which yes, you're right. I'm sh- more in your family than mine, but I totally get you that. That I see, I also do remember some people who would not allow their kids to say God when we were right. kids, right? Right. So so God is primal, you know. I mean, I, I just think the swear words are connected to the primal, and that's part of why they have so much power. But that's mm-hmm. my theory. Yeah. So the other side of the coin, and then we'll bring it back to parenting kids around this whole issue. Um, you know, we're both both of us. We have a passion for words. We're, we're writers. We're always looking for creative ways to say things, and. Um, as I watch, uh, Jan and I watch a lot of TV, and I sort of get to a point where I think writers have really become lazy because if you take out the F-bomb, that one-hour show is about 15 minutes because the, everything is peppered with swear words rather than creative language. Now, this is me being a moralist at this point. Um, does there ever come a point where we have used language like the F-word, for example, so much that it it eventually loses its power. Oh, I think so. I, I guess everyone has to make their own decision on that. But I absolutely think that that, and that's why I think we lower ourselves a bit in the hierarchy and don't realize it. If all we're you know all we're doing is swearing, yeah, every uh, other word, yeah, because yeah. then we are not, then we're not really very complex. We're not very, uh, you know. I mean, I must, there must be some people, maybe they've become president or whatever, and they must swear a lot, right? But we don't, they don't do that on air. We don't know they're doing that. Um, maybe they do, but we don't know that. When we look at people who are leaders or, you know, moving up hierarchies, they control their language, at least in public. And now for comedians, you're, you're right. And in some writing, um, they kind of push the limit on swearing, I think. They, they, they swear a lot and they get a lot off of that. Um, but even then, like I remember a Chris Rock. I'll give a few examples. Yep. One is Chris yep. Rock. I remember Chris Rock. It was 99 or 2000. He did a, maybe it was called Black and Blue, or he did a one-man show, and it, it showed on TV, and Gil and I watched it. It was some of the wisest, deepest social commentary yep. and funny, and he used a lot of swear words. And So it's like, okay, that's well integrated. But yep. then I remember seeing a movie, um, it was just recently, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Uh, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. It was like an action movie. Uh, it had some fun moments. Brian Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson. And I just, you know, every fifth word. Oh, oh, and, and what's her name? Selma Hayek. And every fifth word, yeah. I think, was the F word. And, I, you know, and I just like cocked my head and thought, oh, okay, there's not much worth to that. Because of what you said, they, this, you know, they, they don't have much creativity. They're just relying on that. And so, so some young guys are going to love that movie. It's going to make a lot of money. But... It's not going to be high up in the hierarchy, and I, I think what 
what we're doing with kids when we say to kids we don't swear or these are the words we don't use and don't do as daddy and mommy did even though we (laughs) said that word you don't do that um because we want our kids to succeed and and we know like you just said that if all they do is swear it's not creative um uh and they're not going to succeed When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, that's that's really helpful. Um, you know, and again, so we're you know, you and I are not trying to be moral police. What we are we're committed to is helping parents raise really good boys and girls into good men and women. And this mom is asking a question that she's going to be wrestling with from now until her son uh, leaves the home at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, whatever. What's the relationship between swearing? Uh, appropriateness, language, and our family and our values. So um, how would you, uh, as a a parent and now as a therapist, put that hat on maybe, you've got a kindergartner and you're starting to wrestle with us. This is a yucky word. Kind of walk through maybe the next several years of this young boy's life and how they're going to navigate that issue of not just a potty mouth or swearing words, but but even uh, sexual language and sexual innuendo. Yeah, each time he crosses over, you know, crosses a line that they set, that, that, you know, they have to bring him back to the line. And so, and I think if they handle this now um, at five, that they're not going to have as many, you know, as a lot of trouble with this. Um, uh, if they handle it now over the next number of months and can curtail this and teach him the line. Uh, and and the line can't be everything that his sexual innuendo. As he grows older, of course, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna. We want him to be talking to us as parents about sexuality and those sorts of things. So it's not gonna be about that, but it's gonna be about these are the words. You know, these are the words. We're not telling you not to flirt at sixteen with someone. We're not telling you, you know, A, B, and C. What we're saying is that in our family, this doesn't fit our values, and and uh, and that I think can get taken care of here relatively quickly. So at each stage, let's say uh, once he turns eight or nine, uh, their conversations will have evolved, I'm guessing, obviously, from the time he was kindergarten to, to say, okay, now you you just use the F word. Uh, I heard you say it on the phone to your friend. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why that word has power. Let's talk about why that word feels good when you say it and why that word maybe doesn't feel so good when you say it. So that at each of these different stages of development, uh, we can tease out that language. Do you? Yep. Yep. And then do you, of course, it depends on the, the values of your family, right? Do you allow a little bit more breathing space as they get older? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Because you know they're saying these words, you know, outside of the family. But you, so you certainly allow more breathing room. You're having some fun conversations. Things become humorous, um, and, you know, and you and things will happen like, fathers and sons, even I have daughters, you know, we would be doing athletics together and a few swear words would creep in while we're doing athletics. Because let's face it, if you're doing athletics seriously, you're going to hear a lot of swear words, you know, so got to be used to it there. But then we would still hold the boundary. Okay, we did that there. But then when we're at the dinner table, no, we're not doing it there. So we're still holding a boundary. 
And and that's what's so important is we're still holding a boundary. We're still teaching pro-social functionality, you know, yeah. using language. Uh, but we've expanded out based on the child becoming more independent, growing up more, maturing more, and knowing that one of the privileges, especially in our era, one of the privileges of growing up is using more swear words. For better or worse, as you said, that is part of uh, part of becoming independent these days is using more swear words. So we are part of that as a family. We're not trying to get to 18 with the child never having said these 50 words. No, right. we're expanding as we're giving more privilege in our home and, um, and, and, and we're, we're getting a gain from that. We're, we're helping them to grow up um, and giving them more independence and, and, and letting them separate from us by using those words, which is some of what they'll be doing. But at the same time, we're still holding boundaries. Yeah. And, you know, our teenagers want us to help them hold boundaries. Uh, they really do. They, our teenagers, none of our children want us to give them carte blanche. They feel loved uh, by us if we're helping them hold to authoritative boundaries. And we've talked about before— authoritative is not authoritarian, right? nor is it passive. So there's passive parenting, authoritative parenting, and authoritarian parenting. Authoritarian parenting generally backfires. Passive parenting generally backfires. But authoritative parenting, where we're holding our authority and, and saying, yes, we're expanding out with you, like I gave the example of swearing a little during athletics, but when we're at the dinner table, no. And, and you know, the kids like that. Yeah. And then when they get to be adults... And I'll say this from personal experience, at least this is what we did, Gail and I, when they got to be adults, then part of the rite of passage of them being adults is that now, even at the dinner table when they come back with their husbands, et cetera, you know, now there's kind of a free-for-all. I mean, we we definitely can hear swear words and used for emphasis and to make a joke, but we're all adults now. And so, okay, that's appropriate too. So everything in its developmental stage. Yeah. So so Jan and I both grew up in similar homes where uh, swearing wasn't really a part of our families or our culture. Um, I've only heard Jan swear once in her life. Uh, heard it. Now, she maybe thinks it or says it in other places. Uh, and there are some times, now you remember, I'm a pastor, so I'm practically perfect. But, uh, <laughs> you know, once in a while I can let a word out. And I remember a, a few weeks ago, I was just really frustrated. And there was something that just tipped me over. And um, usually it has to do with technology that isn't working oh, right yeah. <laughs> or, you know, or, or some customer service thing that's not going the way I want. And I, I just, you know, I, I said the SH word. And Jan just looked at me and she said, I don't think that this thing was appropriate for that word. Uh, meaning, yeah, I understand you're frustrated, but I don't know that that word was necessary for this particular thing. So, and my point is, not that she was being judgmental, are there ways to teach our kids uh, when swearing or cursing or some sort of word that expresses their frustration is appropriate versus the world we live in now where every other word is a swear word no matter what they're talking about? Can we, can we teach the proper use of swearing versus uh, setting boundaries? Do, do, can they go hand in hand? Oh, yeah, I think they can go hand in hand. Yeah, that's a very interesting story. Uh, I, I think they can go hand in hand. I, I'm i I'm kind of loathe with the younger kids to spend much time explaining something that's too subtle right. for them. But, right. but yeah, you know, and just I think holding the boundaries better for them and, and training them sort of, you know, in a kind way. But yeah, the, as they get older, uh, you're absolutely right. The, the parents can can say that. They can say, 
huh, you know, is that really appropriate? Or could you have said this? Yeah. Which is training their language somewhat. And that that's absolutely fine. See if that works. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just such an interesting issue because we you can't watch uh, a lot of TV shows today without uh, being bombarded by uh, something like that and um, uh, and we and we do want to raise kids who are articulate and who are smart and wise and funny and good and yet have the freedom when they're frustrated to express their freedom in healthy ways and uh, it's a it's a a real interesting act, a balancing act that parents go through. So I really appreciate your wisdom on this one, Michael. Mm, Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we want to thank all of you for being there with us for three years. And at the beginning, it took us about five minutes, but we figured out that's 78 hours of (laughs) uh, recordings of information. No, yes, right, 78 hours of of information. And, um, uh, and, And that's a lot of information. It's all there for you. All of these podcasts stay up. They're evergreen. And you can go back to the very first one and just you know, kind of walk through all the different topics and, and land on one that uh, maybe sounds of interest to you or maybe you've heard it before and you need to listen to it again. It's all there for you. And uh, 78 hours of the wisdom of Michael Gurian right there, uh, free for you. Uh, and we want to say a special thanks after three years to our sponsors, to uh, the Center of Place of Hope, the Forge School. But again, most of all to you for listening. And uh, we're looking forward to the next year, right, Michael? We are, and and I want to also do a shout out to Tim, because you know without Tim it doesn't happen. Tim's questions are where there's so much wisdom, and uh, his direction. So congratulations to you, Tim. You you've yep. made these three years happen. Well, we're, it, it's been fun for both of us, yep. and and we just we're, we're we'll we'll keep coming to you as long as you guys want to listen to us, and um, I think we've got more information coming. So we'll be with you next week as we start year four. Uh, so have a great week. Thanks everybody. Thanks everyone.